When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. You got Max as the shooter shot lead. You do expect higher performances and better things from Club Americas, but it's the inconsistency. With the well, thing isn't this inconsistent, though? I will maintain that the U.S. men's national team came out to the knockout round despite terrible coaching. Like, do they have a student discount, maybe, to go to a games? <laughs> like, they got it, right? No. <laughs> to take that next step, I think it's still undisputed that you have to go to Europe. He's going to well, be on the ground for the majority the, of the time. No, look back at highlights. No, that's, if that's you the have... Christian Pulisic treatment, though. Same. We're going to have to stop this. We're going to start arguing on this podcast, aren't we? Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Brow Football Show. As always, I'm Lizzie, U.S. editor over at 90min.com, covering North American football. With me, my co-host, Gino Canelo. How are you? I am good, Lizzie. I am good. Another week of MLS in the books. Uh, just a lot going on. Liga MX, you know, CONCACAF Champions League. So much has happened since the last time we talked. So, uh, so it's much. definitely going to be a, a good a good podcast today to talk about a lot of different things that we haven't talked about in a while. Let's get into it. Um, to start, yes. there's a lot of international news especially related to the U.S. men's national team. And to kick off, we'll go over the results from the U.S. soccer investigation into Greg Berhalter and the incident that occurred almost 30 years ago and the involvement of Claudio and Danielle Reyna, Gio Reyna's parents, and their involvement into the entire situation. So U.S. soccer um, commissioned this in independent investigation into the incident where Greg Berhalter and his now wife, um, Rosalind Berhalter, were involved in a domestic abuse situation. He, the former head coach, admitted to everything that happened. He willingly participated in the investigation where he mentioned what had happened, that they had been drinking, and he got into a physical altercation with his then-girlfriend, now wife. And the investigation collaborated with other people that were witnesses at the event 30-some years ago. Everything was proven to be true, but the um, law firm that conducted the investigation basically proved that he's still eligible to be part of the organization, that as of now, he obviously didn't break any laws, um, which U.S. soccer then came out to say that he's still a candidate for the U.S. coaching position. Now, 
this wasn't any sort of news because Greg Berhalter came before the investigation to admit on his social media channels, to apologize to his wife, to apologize to basically the fan base, USMNT organization as a whole. So we knew that to be true. But what was interesting is the Reina involvement in this whole situation. And we know that there was some sort of blackmail, but it really extended to 2016 when Gio Reina began in the youth levels of the United States soccer organization. And it just stems from so many instances. There was examples of emails and conversations that Claudia Reina had about discriminating against referees, texting Ernie Stewart, the then sporting director, and the now famous line by Danielle Reyna saying, I can make one call and you would have information that you don't know. More threatening, but I don't remember it word for word. Um, so yeah, basically your That's thoughts on That's the whole situation. Yes, I unfortunately cannot get to that level of threatening as I am not capable of it. <laughs> However, um, I will I will leave you all to read the entire report. It is lengthy, but it is important to understand what's going on. That was just a brief little summary. But do you know your thoughts? Um, the, the Reinas really describe American parents in this, the youth sports world, right? I mean, they literally do everything that parents in America do with their kids in sports. There's always, you know, the the... The big thing, you know, in, in America with sports, like overzealous parents who are like dying to get their kid playing time or dying to get their kid to do this or that or just uh, upset because they think they're the kids, the best thing that's ever happened to the world. And, um, you know, I, I think in this situation, obviously, Gio Reyna is very talented, but I mean, I, the Reyna's really come out much worse in this situation than I think anybody else. I mean, obviously, again, that doesn't diminish the fact that Greg Berhalter did have some physical altercation with his wife at, at, at some point in their relationship, um, which again, not good. And, and don't condone that in any sense, but um, as the report says, they didn't find anything that he did was illegal. Um, again, I, I don't know, you know, you know, who knows there's only really four people, three people that actually really do know what happened that night, really two people. Cause it was Greg and his wife. So they're, they're the only two people that know actually what did happen that night. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think it's, I, the, it sounds like the Reynas, specifically Danielle Reyna, Dan, it's Daniela, Danielle Reyna? Danielle. Danielle, yeah. Danielle Reyna, um, specifically her, like she comes off much worse in this situation, especially since I think the report said that she had said that Greg was like beating the crap out of his wife. And, you know, like there was, according to the report, there was no sign or no, no belief of any, or no backing that there could have been any major injury um, or any injury to, to Rosalind Berhalter. Um, So again, the rain has come off much, much worse in this situation than, than I think anybody else does purely because they just, they, they, I mean, they literally just were, they were blackmailing the United States men's (laughs) national team because their kid wasn't getting playing time. Like that's like the most ridiculous thing in the world. Yeah. And I think the only conflicting aspect of the 
report for me was obviously there's no arguments of everything that came out. Um, very concerning that the Reinas would expose themselves in, in that sense, that they would be capable of doing such yeah. crazy. Um, but really yeah. what was concerning to me was the report stated that Gio Reina was coming off of an injury at the World Cup and during those training sessions. However, information came out after the World Cup and prior to this investigation that he was not giving it his all during these training sessions and that other teammates felt disrespected by his mannerisms in that sense. Now, obviously, the question is, was he injured or was he coming off of an injury or was he not mm-hmm. giving it his all? Because if he was injured, then you don't expect a player to give it his all because he doesn't want to be injured. Um, but then why would you get mad at him for not giving his all? If it So that was the only thing left up in the air for me, which is, I guess, the aspect that I'd like to focus on the most is the sport. <laughs> but it tends not to go into further detail and it leaves it a little bit unanswered. However, this situation has gone way beyond what actually happened at the World Cup. But the yeah. back, <laughs> back of it all, the behind the scenes... And it just, it's, it, it was absolutely insane to me. It was, it was crazy. And I know Claudio Reyna is still heavily involved with MLS. So that's going to be an interesting scenario to navigate through. I'm not sure what steps Austin FC will now take. I know he um, took himself out of the role that he was at with Austin FC, but he's still somewhat attached to the team. So that will be very interesting. I personally don't think they can walk away from this unscathed and without consequences. I would be surprised too, if those consequences don't unjustly reach Gio Reyna. I don't know how his international future will be after this I think it's uncomfortable for him and for teammates to say the least and we don't necessarily know to what extent Gio Reyna was was involved in I don't know what he knew his parents were doing or not doing so I don't judge the kid at the end of the day he is a kid and we have to hold these adults responsible for their actions I'm sure he had somewhat of an ego Mm -hmm. problem as any young um 19 or 20 year old would but I don't think he was necessarily part or it doesn't seem like he was necessarily part of the blackmailing so just interesting to see how his international future will go on from here yeah it's kind of disappointing right because Gio as I said is is super super talented but he kind of gets the stray bullet in this situation uh being you know just the kid who was in the middle like the kid did the, the kid of the parents who are being too much on the side of the soccer field, you know, and it's, it's a shame because there's no way he's going to come out of this with people feeling comfortable about him on the team or in the international. I mean, I don't know. We don't know what happened. We only know this as far as the U S men's national team serves. Right. I mean, we don't know what's happening at Borussia Dortmund or, you know, we, you know, he, Obviously, it's not blackmail that they have on anybody there, but who knows what the parents are saying to people over there and and the connections that they have over there. And I I think it's just it's an unfortunate situation because he's a 19 year old kid who just wants to go out and play soccer and be the best he can be, I think. And his parents are now making this a much bigger deal than it has to be. And now I think it's going to be hard for a lot of people or a lot of coaches 
to trust him or count on him or really just include him in a team without expecting drama, no matter who the coach is at the U.S. men's national right. team level. So um, it's really unfortunate because he is up there with the most talented players we've ever seen in an American jersey. But it's, it, you know, it's you expected there to be, you know, along with the Reynas, you expect there to be some sort of backlash and, and setback for Gio Reyna at the international level after all this. Now, the bigger question is, or two parts, can and should Greg Berhalter come back and lead the United States men's national team after this? I mean, my personal opinion has always been that Greg Berhalter should not continue as head coach of the U.S. men's national team, but that has nothing to do with this situation. Um, that has to do with, in my personal opinion, on his on-field uh, you know, expertise, I guess you could say. Um, I just don't believe he's the right guy to lead these, lead the, this team into the next world cup and, and into the prime years of this quote unquote golden generation that we have here. Um, so I don't think he should continue anyway. Um, in terms of does this report, if you did believe Greg Berhalter, should continue as the coach. Does this report affect that? I would probably, I don't know. It's hard, right? Because he did basically tell out, you know, explain or, or speak out on situations that the team had agreed would stay internal. So how could players trust him or his staff again after that situation? But at the same time, if you're looking at purely the report, I don't think that there's anything in the report that would say, you know, Greg Berhalter should be completely taken out of this job because of this report. So I think there's different ways you can look at it. I mean, again, my personal opinion is he should not, not continue anyway. And I don't, I'm not sure that players can trust him after everything that's happened, but I don't think the report makes it any different based on whatever your opinion was. I agree. I've always been a fan of saying that after each World Cup cycle, the head coach in charge should walk away and make way for a new system to be put in place, no matter who you are. So agree there. Yep. About trust, I think at this point, everything that surrounds Berhalter detracts from the situation at hand, which is preparing these players for the next World Cup. So yeah. Thank you so much for your service. As you said, this report doesn't change. The U.S. was in their right to say he should remain a candidate, not that he should remain as the head coach, as we know his contract expired in December. So, yes, he should because legally he can still be a candidate. Um, doesn't necessarily mean he should be the next head coach because thank you for your service, but goodbye. Um, <laughs> just thank beyond, again, beyond the report. And thanks. Yes. Um, and within U.S. men's national to national team news, as if it hasn't been um, chaotic enough, dual nat player Alejandro Sendejas has officially committed to the American team. He announced on his social media that he thanks both countries for their contributions and to the person that he is today, but his heart lies with the American team. And I would be the first one to make jokes and laugh and everything, but um. With dual nationalities, um, with dual nationality players in particular, I feel for their decision. I think it's an important one and it's an emotional one and there's no necessarily right side. I will say it's 
somewhat of a loss to Mexico. We do have other players, but and but he is a great option. However, I'm sure that decision was not easy. And so I commend him for the bravery, the decision-making process, and everything to that extent. The only thing that I will laugh at, the only thing, I just have one thing. He went <laughs> yesterday, he was Alejandro. Today, I've committed with the U.S. men's national team, and today, I am Alex. Now, all of a sudden, he's Alex. So, that I will make fun of, because it's just like, oh, I'm with the U.S. men's national team. Now, I'm Alex Sendejas instead of Alejandro. I'm leaving the Hondro behind, and I'm just Alex. Um, That was very funny. Beautiful name. Does not reflect on the decision. (laughs) Just a very funny change that came with it. It's a beautiful, beautiful name. And I just have something to say. All right. I think I think I, we might get copyrighted for that, but that's okay because it was definitely worth it. Because it the U.S. men's national team now has another phenomenal player. And okay. Lizzie's Mexico has now lost another phenomenal player. And another, you know, Lizzie tried another. to get us in the, in Say, the Slack name the chat. first one. The, the, no, no, you tried to get us in the Slack chat, and you know, I wasn't having any of that. And you know, I said, you know another. what? Another. Who have we lost that has been no, phenomenal? It's just, you know, there's just so many Ricardo Pepe. There's so many players who want to come play for the United so States, many. and it's it's obvious why. I mean, it's very obvious it? why. It is. Why would you want Do to play for share. Mexico? I mean, look to at start off, at least we have a head coach one. and sporting director. That's okay. We don't need one of those First until like two years you... from now. We don't need one of those. Mm-hmm. You know, you said, okay. I remember you said it's going to be hard to get dual national players without a head coach and a yes. sporting director. I did. I will say with Alejandro Sendejas, he technically was Alex. always part. Alex. Alex, I'm sorry. That's just not going to be easy for me to say. Um, he was always part of the U.S. men's national team. Um, it was going to be a, one, a FIFA one-time switch was going to be needed, like the one that David Ochoa and Julian Araujo did. Um, Julian Araujo, Barcelona player, did. Um, so it was part of... I don't know which one we do. Yeah, yeah, but Virginia Dest, US national team player, was also a Barcelona player. Yeah, but he's not anymore. So I don't know why that was relevant to bring up. He made Just no saying. impact on that team. Zero impact. They're trying to sell him off because know. of his lack of talent. But thanks it's so much Ronald for bringing Koeman's that up fault. and giving me that. No, um, it's, it's Ronald Koeman's fault. It's not Sergio Dest's fault. He wanted to succeed. Ronald Koeman didn't give him the opportunity. Oh, okay. Um, just gonna glance over that and take it as what it was—a joke. Um, <laughs> yes, the U.S. men's national team got Alejandro Sendejas, Alex Sendejas. So happy for him that he's finally decided. That's off the table now, and everybody oh. can focus on what's at hand. The Nations League match is coming up in March. Also. Because all of this news was not enough, the U.S. men's national team and Mexico announced an annual friendly sponsored by Allstate that will be held um, this year in State Farm 
stadium in Phoenix. So that is something to look forward to. That will be very interesting. Another friendly that really doesn't mean anything, but a friendly nonetheless. You know, so. every day if we be, if you guys beat us, it'll mean the world. If we beat you, it'll mean nothing. I that's will, you, that's what it always is. I will is. say, the thing is with these friendlies, even if we even if we win, it means nothing. Um, like we'll laugh for my five minutes, but it still it doesn't mean anything. We don't bring it. Just no. It, it's a friendly. They're fun. I don't know. They're so fun. Here over in the They're United so States, we just want to win every single time we can. I guess Mexico doesn't have that. And why mentality. don't you? We basically do now. Do we? I mean, we never lose. Ever. Oh, okay. You never lose. Okay. So, so where was that mentality in 2018? In 2018, I didn't, say, I didn't say 2018. I said now. I said oh. now we don't win. Now. Okay, so starting yeah, so tomorrow now. then. That didn't happen. No, starting from happen. the day we started beating Mexico consistently, now we don't lose anymore. You've lost since. You didn't win the World Cup. You've lost various we lost times. We lost one game. Various times. Various times. Various times. Any, any who, any way. Um, we have so much international action to look forward to. Later in March, Nations League, and obviously we know this summer brings so many CONCACAF tournaments. We have Leagues Cup also between the two leagues, Gold Cup coming up. This week we have CONCACAF Champions League, so let's get into that. Today, Austin hosts Violet, which has been chaotic in and of itself, even after losing an embarrassing 3-0 loss against a Haitian team, Violet, in the Dominican Republic. Now there are reports that their team will not be intact because um, they were not granted enough travel visas. So they've outsourced part of their roster to players here. Um, it'll be interesting to see their starting 11 tonight. However, I think if Austin FC wins by default, it is not really merit in any way shape or form because when it was fair on a neutral ground they lost so if Austin FC ends up advancing rounds it will be such a shame that Hades Violet will not be taken into consideration because of paperwork beyond their control and off the field yeah definitely a weird situation um I mean I don't know why you know that that's the the weird problem with all of these games right is just you know with some of these countries players coming over for some reason that paperwork you know again like you said it's out of their control there's nothing they can do about it I mean it's it's really right. unfortunate that they have to go through that and um you know just just to play a play a soccer game over here in Austin so um you know like you said I I, I would agree I don't think that it really merits a win if if Austin were to win today Although, you know, three goals down is still still a long way to come down from. So, you know, you got it. That's, you know, that's a hard feat to overcome against any opponent, um, whether they're fully fit or whatnot. So, um, you know, I, I don't think Austin will end up doing it anyway. I think what's probably going to happen. I mean, it's it's going to be a very one sided game overall, yeah. if we're being completely honest. I mean, it's going to be Austin just putting pressure on um you know uh, on violet was it violet or violetta i just call it violet 
Yeah, violent. Okay, that's where we're going. We're going but I violent. may be right. It's the same way, but it's the same way I pronounce NADVCA. Like, I don't actually know if that's correct. Okay. I just say it with <laughs> a little bit of confidence. Okay, yeah. So, Violet, Violet is, um, you know, uh, they're going to park the bus. They're going to literally put 10 players on the 18 yard box. It's going to be like rugby out there. That's probably what it's going to look like. It's just going to be a constant wave of attack from Austin, most likely with your occasional counterattack here and there, but um, you know, it's still going to be a tough feat for us and overcome either way, but, um, but definitely an unfortunate situation that they can't have their whole team here after going up three, nothing anyway. So. Yeah. I think the most exciting game this week in particular is Orlando versus Tigres. Tigres who we know have, have been a favorite of the tournament, but now are fighting for their ticket. Orlando yeah. held the Liga MX team to a 0-0 draw at El Volcan, which is not an easy stadium to visit. And listen, had it not been for Pedro Aleset, like it really would have been like 3-0 and Tigres would have had the win basically secured at this point. But a huge, huge win for Orlando in holding them to that draw. Now it'll be interesting in Orlando to see how they react or how Tigres react without Gignac, who we know um, will not be traveling due to personal reasons. He's not vaccinated and therefore will not travel to the United States as he hasn't done in the past. We know, again, he was invited to MLS versus Liga Mekis All-Star last summer, and he also didn't attend for the same reasons. So Tigres will be without their, quote-unquote, best player. However, they mm. have been playing that Like, the team as a whole has been playing better without him. He was recently injured in Liga Mekis, so there was a spell of one or two games where he didn't feature. And the team just looked so much better, so much more youthful, quick, on their feet. Now, does Piojo deserve credit for saying that he couldn't win with an old roster, but then he got fired? So I think he deserves credit for that, <laughs> for that quote, even though it got him fired. But he's with Tijuana now, so... Didn't suffer for too long. He has another team. He's still a coach. He didn't make it. It's fine. But yeah, so that's the game I'm most looking forward to this week. Yeah, no, it's definitely going to be a good one. Um, this one a little bit different, obviously. I mean, this is obviously something that is under Gignac's control uh, a little bit in terms of what he can oh, and cannot do. Yes. Um, but, but again, you know, you don't want to disrespect anybody's beliefs or whatever, but um, but a little bit different from the situation that Violet is dealing with. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is, uh, this Tigres team has not really been playing too well recently. I mean, they've had chances, haven't been able to really put the ball in the back of the net. They only have two goals in their last four games. So, yeah. um, you know, they haven't been, and it was, you know, one in, they haven't scored more than two goals in any game. Like, it's not like um they've they've had an offensive explosion in any you know it's it's been it's been a rough go of things for a little bit now which is a little bit worrying because this was a Tigres team at the beginning of the season that we said wow they're off to a really hot start they're doing really well it seems like they've fallen off a little bit now midway through their league uh through the Clausura and um now they have to go to Orlando and listen I mean there's no saying that they can't go out there and beat Orlando. That's, you know, I, I think my personal opinion in the end is that they probably will win that one, whether it be an extra time around PKs. Um, I think it, I think it will be um, won by, by Tigres because I, I just don't know. I haven't been convinced by Orlando yet this season. 
Um, but yeah, but it's, um, it's definitely, it's definitely harder without Gignac, um, on the pitch for them and definitely harder that they didn't get a win at home and then now they have to travel on the road. So it's, it's going to be an interesting one overall. Uh, but like you said, definitely the best game on the slate this week. Um, really of all the remaining, we talked about it last week. There were no wins through three, no goals through three Liga, uh, through three MLS um, team games. Um, they, if we're talking MLS, the other two teams that are in CONCACAF Champions League, Champions League then went on to score five and three goals in their in their yeah. respective <laughs> games and win both of them. So, um, you know, putting a, you know putting a little bit of a stamp on things towards the end of the week, but. A lot, you know, Philadelphia Union has a lot to play for still, you know, um, Orlando City. Yeah. So it's it's going to be an interesting week. I think the Austin game is 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 just a whole different beast. But the Philly game and the and the and the Orlando game, we'll see what happens. We'll see if they use their full squad, because, again, this was another thing we talked about, whereas Vancouver and. Uh, LAFC did use squads that were more towards their full squad. Philly did not yeah. in their in their original game. We'll see if they go back and, and decide to go with the full squad in this one. So uh, a lot of CONCACAF Champions League on this week again. And it's going to be a lot of fun because there's still a lot to be determined in a, lot, in, in a few of these games. Yeah, and it was interesting you mentioned LAFC and their roster. They made several changes last Saturday for Major League yeah. Soccer. They used several substitutes, which leaves the message that they're more interested in the CONCACAF Champions League than they are MLS, which again would make sense. They're coming off their win last season. They have that trophy. They have a supporter shield. They're going for an international tournament and knowing what it meant to the Seattle Sounders to become one of the first MLS teams to win that trophy over Liga Mekis, who has held the title for so long. I understand Steve Trondolo making those decisions it was just so interesting to see such a contrast so early on and it's exciting i mean lafc yeah. still went on saturday yeah. against the new england revolution with their substitutes so they're doing yeah. well on either end um it will be interesting later this week to see if they continue to use their strong starting 11 in CONCACAF champions league now that they have basically secured a foundation for the victory and to advance but they're taking it seriously, and it's very exciting. They're taking MLS seriously to an extent, but they're still winning, so that's great. Um, they're a game down, which is why they're not current leaders of the Western Conference, and it's St. Louis, which is yes. a conversation on its own. Oh, yes. the, the best team and in the league, St. Louis. The best team in the league, who everyone expected and knew would be the best team in the league. Through three games. That's It's crazy. It's crazy. I mean, we'll... I mean, I, it's crazy to see what St. Louis <laughs> is doing over there. I don't physically understand. It's not going to last that. I can't imagine it. I say this every week, but I can't imagine it lasts much longer because eventually LASC is going to pass them. But in terms of LASC, you know, them resting players and whatnot, um, I mean, as you said last week, and, and you were right, it's early in the season. There's so much time left in the MLS. If they want to rest players now, like these games – in the grand scheme of things probably won't matter too much because they know their team is good enough, whether they're right. the three seed, the two seed, the one seed, 
to make it through the playoffs, no matter where they play. Their yeah. team is phenomenal. So yeah. it's, you know, they're not worried about that. They're worried about getting these wins in the CONCACAF Champions League. And I think maybe a little bit they saw Philly change their team a little bit and, uh, you know, Austin changed their team and, and, and Orlando changed their team a little bit. And they said, you know what, we're not going to make that same mistake and, you know, make it, make it through. So um, definitely an, um, definitely an interesting group of games this weekend. Um, Liz, you still yeah. there? You froze there for a second on me. Oh, did I? I'm sorry. I was you just did. so, I'm sorry. I'm so interested by LFC's roster, <laughs> but no, I but think yes. Steve Gerondolo is a very intelligent coach on and off the field. He understands the game, but also understands the bigger picture, which is why we've seen them be so successful as an expansion team. They won Supporter Shield. They won the MLS Cup. They're going after an international trophy, which is great. And they're still somewhat top of the league. However, um, St. Louis, current winners, didn't expect that. As you said, no. I, I think LAFC will surpass them at a certain point. I do see that coming. But I do think they'll stay within playoff range. I, yeah, I think, I think this too. team I think has his momentum. It's becoming more and more likely that they stay within playoff range, I think, as the season. I mean, obviously, injuries can affect things, all, of course. Of course. Um, but it does seem like they're they're built to stay and built to built to last here uh, with uh, St. Louis and the MLS in the Western Conference. So, which is crazy because the Western Conference is better than the Eastern Conference. So, for them to be top of the Western Conference, I think, is, is very impressive. Um, they're the first team to have three come from behind victories in the first three or in the first three matches of a season ever in league history and any for any team ever. And then they're the first expansion side, I think to start the season or the second expansion side to start the season with three wins and the first expansion side to start the season with two of uh, two or to start their inaugural season uh, with two wins on the road out of three games. So, so you know, records all this, around. This hasn't been easy. It's not like it's been easy. Right. So, you know, they've gone to Portland and gone to Austin. So that those are two not easy, not easy places to play. So the no, fact that they're doing this is, is very impressive. It is. And their head coach, to a certain extent, said, I don't think this is luck because I don't think it's going to run out. I don't necessarily think it's luck. I think it's momentum, um, yeah. which they control and can live out as long as they can. I think it's a good team. I don't think it's an MLS Cup contender, but I may be proven yeah. wrong, which is would be great to see. I think another Cinderella Leicester City moment, but in American soccer is lovely. We love that. So course, that would yeah. be absolutely wonderful. But much more league action. Take us away, Gino. Yeah, there's so much to talk about. So many things happened this weekend. A lot, I mean, not just St. Louis made history. We had Atlanta making yeah. some history as well. Uh, specifically Caleb Wiley. They took on Charlotte in what, you know, I think MLS is calling a rivalry match. I don't know if it's gotten to that level yet. Um, yeah, well. But I think that's that's the rivalry that MLS is, is you know, pushing there. Um, but Atlanta really, I mean, Charlotte did not look good. Um, Charlotte At did all. not look good once again, which we'll talk about in a second. But Atlanta, like I said, made history. They scored two goals in the first 12 minutes, which is, the fastest they've ever scored two two goals in any league match in their history, while uh, Caleb Wiley became the fourth youngest player ever in MLS history 
to have three goal, goal contributions uh, in the same half. And that's that list consists of three players, including Caleb Wiley, two spots which were taking up were taken up by Alfonso Davies, which we know is um, you know Great well, you know we know where he is now. Uh, so <laughs> definitely a really good showing from Atlanta United. They took advantage of a lot of the Charlotte mistakes. I mean, Caleb Wiley looks awesome. Luis, Luis, yeah. and I think it's uh, Aruaju. Is that how you? It's Aruaju. Aruaju. Okay. Luis Aruaju. Um, he gets on the score sheet as well, which is important for them because he was a big signing for them. Um, so he gets on the score sheet, but Atlanta actually looked like they're starting to click a little bit and having 18 year olds. Yeah. Caleb Wiley doing things like he was doing on Saturday. It's a really good sign for them. Yeah, I think they're great. Gonzalo Pineda, I think, is, is a great head coach. I think last season he had a lot of distractions and injuries both on and off the field that affected what was going on. Um, Miles Robinson is back. He's fully fit. And Joseph Martinez is out. We know he's with Inter-Miami now, but there was a lot of complications last season that brought distraction, locker room fights, I guess, just a lot of drama that may have impacted how players perform on the field. So I think now they're getting going. It wasn't that they didn't have the best start to the season. Obviously, we know their season opener, they won, but they San Jose Earthquakes clearly outperformed them throughout the majority yeah. of the game and had it not been for Tiago Almada, they wouldn't have survived. So very interesting to see them now gaining confidence with them and communicating on the field. They're a great team. They're well coached. The organization is really strong. I don't see why they can't climb the Eastern conference table, especially given the, I don't want to say lack of competition, but the level of where the East is now in comparison yeah. to the West. Yeah. So yeah. that should be interesting. Caleb Wiley's great. I think deserves the credit. But can it last is what I want to see personally. Yeah, I mean, you're right. Can it last? But it's good to see that players not named Tiago Amada are scoring goals. That's important yeah. because I think there was a little bit of a worry where the goal is going to come from other than Tiago Amada. So, um, you know, that not being, you know, them getting goals from elsewhere is huge for them. So, yeah. That's that's great. And and like you said, like I think Atlanta can can stay near the top of the I, I think they could do a good job of staying um near the top of the East because as we've mentioned multiple times, the East is not that strong. Um I right. think they're currently tied for first as of right now. Um after grabbing two straight wins. So or uh two wins in their in their first three. So um it's definitely gonna be interesting watching them. Uh, as as time goes on over these next few weeks to see if they can hold that and then see where they go from there. Uh, but on the other hand, Charlotte is in the opposite direction. They're currently Terrible. at the bottom of yeah, they're currently Terrible. at the bottom of the Eastern Conference. They have zero points. And for the second straight week, their mistakes have seriously, seriously cost them. So I it asks the questions like what's wrong over there? What do you see, so Lizzie? Many that's like not going well over there because something is very, very wrong with Charlotte because they don't even look, they, they look like they're struggling. Yeah. I think there's a lot of issues going on. Um, not even on the field. I think 
their off season obviously was very difficult. And I, and I say this with a lot of respect to also the emotional component that came with losing Anton walks. Um, that is a huge aspect in and of itself. So I say everything barring what happened um, again, our respects and not including the emotional toll that they, that may have taken on the team. But I think the team didn't really strengthen their roster to an extent during the off season. They made several trades out um, and switched up things, but didn't necessarily substitute the necessary players. And so Copetti, I think is good, but he's not a standalone talent that can kind of save a team from drowning by himself. He's just not that kind of figure. And the organization as a whole, I think there's, there's holes where there shouldn't be at this point. Now, the saving grace last season was the fact that it was their inaugural season and they were fixing a couple things here and there and they hadn't experienced major league soccer before. So they didn't know a competition would necessarily be like, but this is their second year now. So they're like, they should be a lot better. They should get the hang of things and they're simply not. I know it's still very early, but I think the lack of communication, worrying front office and just lack of, real talent and the mistakes that we've seen on the field, I don't think it's going to improve necessarily. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right with the ends of Capetti. And they were saying this on the broadcast. They made a good point on the broadcast this past weekend where bringing in Enzo Capetti then moves Swiderski to a spot where I'm not sure he's as comfortable or fits well. Like, I think he was doing very well in that number nine role and, and scoring the goals. And now he's kind of been shifted to the wing a little bit um, and kind of been put in a spot that I'm not sure fits his skills level. So, you know, it it seems like Charlotte, while not strengthening their roster also like when they did strengthen, it didn't strengthen it with the right pieces. So um, that's an issue. I mean, I mean, again, we've, you know, you have to bring in the right pieces to succeed. Um, And, and they, they lost, obviously, again, you know, I think you're right. I think you, you probably, you're probably right with, we don't know how much that the loss of Anton walks is weighing on them. Um, Again, this was kind of the Anton walks, uh, you know, remembrance game because he also played for Atlanta United. Um, So um, definitely like an emotional first few weeks, which definitely can, can play a toll, uh, you know, you know, have a toll on a team. So, um, take its toll on a team. So it, it's, it, it, the problem more is that it's not like, it's, it seems like a lot of things are going wrong or like stupid things. It's like they're passing the ball, <laughs> the spot, they're just being loose with the ball. It's not like they're not fluid as a team or they're not just they're not finding in the attacking third like they're just handing possession over to the other team yeah. at least in the last few weeks so that's a serious serious issue that needs to be fixed and um you know i mean it's it's it, it seems easy but i you yeah. know it, it's probably a lot harder a lot harder than it than it seems so definitely yeah. a problem over there um and then with that being said, the, the the next question I have, I mean, there's only two teams that have zero points in the entire league, I believe. Um, yeah. It's Charlotte and it's Montreal who lost again this past weekend. You know, Charlotte, we've talked about them. 
They can't score goals. They give up goals. They've only scored one goal all season. They've given up seven goals all season. Meanwhile, Montreal has yet to score a goal at all this season and has given up five goals. Um, A little bit of different opponents that they've faced. Charlotte's faced New England. They've faced St. Louis. They've faced Atlanta. Meanwhile, Montreal has taken on Inter-Miami, Austin, and and Nashville. So um, my question to you, Lizzie, yeah. Is as we're looking at Charlotte, who is the worst? Who is who's the worst? Do <laughs> these teams who are winless? Who is worse, Montreal or Charlotte? Um, I will say Charlotte, just because Montreal had a great season last year. Um, but they suffered a lot of changes during the offseason. We saw a huge coaching change. Several players traded out. And it seems that this year is more restructuring than anything. Mm -hmm. And that comes with difficult times like losing or not getting a point in three games. But Charlotte on the other end had to go the other way around. I think they, their inaugural season was forgiven. Even like if it was Rocky, if it was, they saw coaching changes, It, it came with like the growing pains of a new team but the tractor goes up where it's not. And so it's very weird on that. And um, we know by other expansion teams, Austin, for example, had a difficult first season and then adjusted properly with Josh Wolf at hand and had a phenomenal second season. So I think Charlotte should have learned from their first, saw mistakes, fixed things that they should have, and they haven't, or they chose not to. And that needs to be taken more into consideration than the changes that Montreal is going through. Now they're both terrible to watch. Like they're not yes. fun teams to watch at the moment. So I say all of Which that shame, knowing I that really, both are terrible. Yeah. I, I really liked Montreal last season and I was kind of yeah. hoping Wilfred Nancy would stick around there because I really liked the job he did there. But at the same time, they've lost a lot of, they've lost a few key players in, Georgie Mahalovic and uh, Ishmael Kone. So it, it's it's been a definitely – there's definitely been a kind of transition period here where they're, they've got some growing pains, and, and it's, it's not been pretty from a Montreal aspect. Whereas, as we've said with Charlotte, it's definitely been more um, – you know, it's, it's definitely been more of the – like they didn't address the needs. They knew what they needed. And they didn't address yeah. the needs. And granted, that's easier said than done because the transfer market is just weird. But oh, they didn't right, address but the needs. Right, you have the opportunity. Yeah, exactly. And, and they didn't address the needs that they needed to address. And it's it's looked really bad. Like I, Again, I haven't seen too much of Montreal. I've seen Charlotte a couple times now. Um, and they just look like they're so discombobulated and they're not playing as one team. And that's like a serious yeah. issue. So, well, um, before we wrap yeah. up with MLS, I have one question for you that you're going to be very grateful for. Yes. As you've made a point, you've seen so much of the Vancouver Whitecaps. Can you I inform have. us on what your thoughts are of the Vancouver Whitecaps? I have seen a lot of Vancouver Whitecaps. I think I've seen all three of their last games. Like I've watched so much Vancouver Whitecaps over the past week. I think I watched three games of Vancouver Whitecaps in the past week. So I've seen a lot of them. So I know exactly so what I know what they're like. Um 
I do. My opinion is that I think they have really good pieces. I think they have okay. really good pieces. I do like Brian White. I like Pedro Vite. I like Raposo on that left side. I'm just not sure that the system they play fits the players that they have. And I love Ryan okay. Gold. Ryan Gold, great player, phenomenal passer of the ball. I mean, we saw it on Wednesday when he played in the CONCAP Champions League, two sick passes that led to goals. Yeah. Like they have a good team, I think. Very well structured team. But I feel like, for example, Raposo on the left side, I feel like in I in the game on Wednesday in CONCAP Nations League, he was getting forward. He's quick and he's got a lot of pace. He's able to get back. He's able to, he's got a good crossing ability. They utilized him very well in the attack. But on when I watched the game uh, on Saturday, MLS wise, it felt like he was just sitting back and, mm-hmm. and they were playing, they played FC Dallas, which right. again, FC Dallas did not look good in this game. Like they should have been able to dominate FC Dallas and they didn't. And I think a major part of the problem, which is a very big problem for them because they, you know, they brought him in the season. I'm not sure Cordova is the right player for this team because when he came off midweek in the CONCACAF Champions League, everything changed and they became so much mm. better, and so much more dynamic. So I question, and, and the other thing is I don't, it doesn't like, he he doesn't seem to put in a ton of effort. Like it seems like he's doesn't work, his work rate in attack is not very high, which is a problem. So that's my Vancouver Vancouver Caps or Vancouver Canucks Vancouver Whitecaps um, analysis after three games in a row watching them, and I'm sure I'll watch a bunch more of them because they're the standalone game at ten thirty nine times out of ten. So it's whatever. I love that for you. I love that we have a Vancouver Whitecaps fan now on the podcast. Yeah, I can you send me a jersey, Vancouver? Like I'm I'm a big Vancouver fan now. I just, I, I willing like or they, not willing, we have a yes. Vancouver Whitecaps fan now. Yes, I'm a Vancouver Whitecaps fan. I like what they do. They need okay. to fill BC Place a little bit more because that place yeah. is empty. I mean, granted, it's wow. a massive place, so it's hard to fill in the beginning. Yeah. But um, go and Vancouver. difficult times, like random, <laughs> random times during the week that makes it difficult sometimes for fans to go out of. So yeah. Difficult to fill. Um, But transitioning over to Liga Mekis, we had a bunch of games this week, a lot of victories. Mainly, Club America won 2-0 over Tigres, which was a huge win given the start of both these teams with the clausura. Um, Club America obviously struggled quite a bit, whereas Tigres was thriving in the beginning. And to see that 2-0 victory was really a very important step forward for Fernando Ortiz's side to climb up the table and also establish what they want, which is a top four team. I mean, a top four place before the playoffs. So that was a huge victory. I personally enjoyed that one, Um, especially. Oh, wait, 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 no, wait. Huge news that came out because you blamed me for blaming the referees. You said I can't blame the referees last year. I mean, last I game. I'm spelling corruption, and I don't even know what listen, you're saying. Listen, so they reviewed everything that happened during that game, and they just, dis- like, the whatever committee 
disagreed with what happened. And those two referees that were in charge of the Club America team um, game were not assigned games this weekend because they were incorrect. That shouldn't have been the call. It was very clear that Luis Chavez touched that ball and that it wasn't offside. So I just feel like I and my thoughts have been vindicated. The fact that I didn't actually blame the referee no. um, for that Pachuca loss. So I just wanted to make that a huge point, a huge focal point. Um, I'm vindicated. Club America um, is fine. Probably still would have lost against Pachuca, but not by three goals. <laughs> so it's fine. And we came back and we won 2-0 against Tigres. Yes. Um, what I will say is even if those two goals stood, it would have been 3-3. So you would have only tied. So it's really only one point. So Thanks. good for you guys. Okay. <laughs> um, one point um, that I'm sure you guys could use very much. We don't need points right now. We were right where we want to be. We're, we got you guys right where we want you. We're, oh, okay. well, you know, we're, we're, we're sitting, we're sitting pretty a win this week. Cruz yeah, Azul's up to ninth place. We're only seven points behind Club America. I mean, this is, this is right where we want to be. We're hitting our stride. Is it? <laughs> yep. Is it? We're hitting our stride. That's, I truly believe we're hitting our stride. Uh, no, oh, but, so sad. Uh, but yeah, let's focus on Club America first. Um, definitely a big win for them in all honesty, a very big win for them. Um, you know, Tigres, as we've mentioned, fallen off a little bit since the beginning of the season, but that doesn't mean they're any less, uh, you know, uh, less, I don't even know the word I'm looking for, but they're any less of an opponent for, uh, Club America that's difficult, uh, to face. So, um, you know, that's, it's a really big win. For Club America, um, they get a clean sheet, which is really, really good. And um, they did put Malagon yeah. in that, which is something we did talk about. And it's yeah, you know, that was a no huge, choice. yeah, that was huge um, to see Fernando Ortiz make that choice and put Malagon at goal and get that clean mm-hmm. sheet. And I will say, I felt so much more secure seeing him at goal than I have seeing Oscar Jimenez attempt to play a starter um so i think securing that victory very important for malagon to hold his place as that starting goalkeeper which i think will then play an impact on the mexican national team um once he obviously establishes a rhythm and actually plays i'm sure the aokoga will call him up potentially as that third and replace donio rodriguez but who knows it was huge victory on that end, but very difficult for Tigres to emotionally lose that game and then come back now for the very important game against Orlando City. So I'm sure that may take a toll on the team, but they deserve it. We won. Who cares? (laughs) You know? Yes. No, yeah, I think it's um I think it was a good change. I mean you get a clean sheet in game one. That's that's and and you know it's again there's this isn't just the goalkeeper, right? I mean, it seems like even the defenders, because yeah. they only gave up three shot, three shots on net. They only gave up nine shots total. Does seem like maybe the defenders also feel more confident with Malagon in net too. So um, yeah, I definitely, definitely felt that way. Yeah, definitely, definitely a good decision um, to put him in net, and and it certainly paid off with a two nothing win over a rival in the standing. So um, you know, a big Important. win for them because now they're. Now they're, you know, just looking at the, um, just looking at the standings. They are at 20 points, 
they're just one point behind second place now. So, yeah. you know, a big win to keep pace with everybody else in the league. Um, and yeah, just, just really good stuff from, from club America this weekend. Yeah. And, um, elsewhere in the league, Santos won three, two against Piojos Cholos, a huge victory for Santos yes. and head coach Eduardo Fentanes. Um, it was rumored that he was conditioned and that he would potentially lose his job should they continue their losing streak. However, he mm-hmm. disproved that. Um, but I'm sure the victory helped him secure his place. That it was yes. it was an interesting game. I think Santos' defense looks absolutely terrible, and they do so week in and week out. And it really leaves mm-hmm. Acevedo to play hero every single time. And there's only so much yeah. you can do as a goalkeeper. I mean, I don't care who you are or what kind of world-class goalkeeper you are. It really does Mm -hmm. take the help of your back line. And they are absolutely feeding him to the wolves time and time again. And you can see his reaction every time that he gets scored on. He's visibly so frustrated, yelling and telling his back line to be better. And, yeah, it must be terrible when you're on the national team spotlight. You just earned a call-up, so you want to earn your place. And your own team is making you look so bad. Um, granted, there was one or two goals that he could have done a little bit better, but, you know, the help, mm. you know. But they did win. It was a great win. Fought till the end. Definitely needed. So wonderful to see those three points. And they say now that they're going to maintain the momentum moving forward which would be very necessary. Now, no one expects them to perform how they did last tournament. Top four was a great place to be considering the squad that they had. And now, barring injuries and trades, Gorrián gone and gone to Tigres, it's it's an interesting and fair place to be mid-table for Santos, but that defense can absolutely still do better. And whether it's a 1-0 win, it's so much better than 3-2. Yeah, no, yeah. It's, yeah, the, the defense is is absolutely feeding him to the Wolves. I mean, 15 shots total this this last match. Um, and it just, you know, he's just getting like, some some of these are, are just, some of these goals that he, he has to give up, he's just getting one-on-one situations or just getting yeah. scored on in, in situations where he shouldn't have to come out or, you know, just defense is playing poorly. So, it's, it, you know, it's definitely something needs to be fixed, but for them to be in eighth place after everything that's happened over the past few months since the Apertura, this is, um, this is a really good spot for them to be in. This is a really good spot yes, for them to be in, it? you know, they, they're, and they're scoring goals. They're scoring goals. They have given up a league leading or excuse me, a, just behind Mazatlan, uh, 23 Mazatlan. goals. Poor Mazatlan. Or Mazatlan, their only win of the season, though, against Cruz Azul, because why not? Um, <laughs> um, that's but so, yes, they, that's true. Up, I forgot about that. That's they're giving fun. up 23 goals, they gave up 23 goals already this season, um, which is not good, but they've also scored yeah. 17 goals, which is good. So their offense is making up for their defensive mistakes, but I'm sure the offense would love not to have to score three goals to win a game. So it, yeah, it's, and I'm sure you know, those numbers third. would be a lot a lot bigger had it not been for Carlos Acevedo. So if they had yes. Oscar yeah. Jimenez, no, yeah. that would have been, been terrible, yeah. terrible. Yeah. Um, but very exciting. 
and Monterrey beat Pachuca, which is another great result for them, considering that Pachuca was a huge contender and still is, but bigger um, in the beginning of the tournament. And Rayados wants to continue establishing themselves after a turbulent-ish end to last season. I mean, last tournament during the Liguilla was just not great. They didn't perform well. But they defeated Pachuca, reigning champions. Yeah, I mean, Monterey, as you look at it, they haven't lost a game since, I mean, they played River Plate in what I assume was a friendly in Jan- yeah. January 12th. Yeah. And they played Shivas in match day one. And that was yeah. the that was the only game they've lost all season. They it's haven't crazy. lost since the first game of the season. They've been on an absolute tear, and they've been the best team, have been the best team, Scoring-wise, defensively, they've only given up nine goals. Uh, they seem to be clicking, and it's a big win for them because that win puts now puts them seven points above the next contender, whereas if Pachuca yeah. wins that game, Monterrey are at 25 points, Pachuca's at 22 points in second place, and now it's a lot tighter. So that seven points is a big separation now. We are, we're, you know, we're 11 matches in, right? And there's six more matches to go. So to have a seven point lead with six matches to play, that's going to be, and already beating some of your nearest competitors, that's going to be a very difficult gap for those other teams to make up. Um, Obviously there are still going to be tough games left on the schedule, right? They have to play Tigres next week. Uh, In two weeks, they play uh, Club America and then they play Santos Laguna, which will inevitably be a tough game. So Still a few games left on the schedule that are going to be tough for them, but they're in a very good spot because they don't have to play. They only have to play two more out of their next six games. Only two of those are against title contenders or teams that could make a push for the title. So they're in a really good spot. And it would be, in my personal opinion, it would be probably a bit of a downfall if they did not secure the regular season Klausura, the Klausura championship. Before, you know, obviously going into the playoffs. So they look very, yeah. very good right now. And, um, you know, they look really good right now. And it, it's, it, it looks like it's hard to beat them. And it's, it's, I don't really know. There's not many teams that are, that are built to beat them right now. Right. And that's where they should be. I think last season yeah. the, at the end was a little bit of a struggle and not reflective of their squad. So to see them back in what is the top four is deserving. As you said, their squad, their squad is currently built for that and to see them that way is great now granted we only have like 30 seconds so you can talk slightly about your um team's 1-0 pathetic 1-0 win what do you mean pathetic 1-0 1-0 they should score more than one you just said that 1-0 wins are better than 3-2 wins though yeah they are they gotta figure out how to put the ball on target they had 16 okay. <laughs> shots on target in this game, and they only had, or they had 16 shots, and only three of them were on goal. Yeah. In this game, they got to figure terrible. out how to put the ball in the back of the net because if they can figure that part out. They're going to be great, but they can't put the ball in the back of the net, so they're making it much harder on themselves. Like they did, they had they dominated. Let's just put it that way. They dominated. Yeah, they the did. Most. And it took them until the 84th minute to score to score a goal. Like they need to figure out how to put the ball in the net. Like that's the that's a big yes. issue, and it's it's what's really <laughs> holding them back right now. Granted, now they're in ninth place, right? They're on thirteen points. They're 
in in a spot where they're you know considering where they were they're in a better spot than than where they were but at the same time they need to figure out how to put the ball in the back of the net if they want to get past the first round of the playoffs so so you're saying the team needs to score goals well, they they're getting <laughs> they're not generating the chances. They just can't right. find the be better. They just can't find the frame. They're not testing. Be the better, basically. Yes, be better. Be better. Be better. Score goals be and win. Better. Yes, and win. win um, winning is good though. Winning's good. Winning Clean is lovely. Sheets. Winning good. is lovely. Clean sheets. Um. So thank you so much for listening. We will be doing a Twitter Spaces on Thursday to preview. Yep the major league soccer matches on Saturday. So tune in for that on our social media channels. And as always subscribe, stay tuned for all our exclusive information, more episodes and anything we do on 90min.com and our social media channels, personal and company. Thanks for listening. Yes. Stay tuned. Peace. Bye. Bye. Want to get smarter about investing? Then tune in to the Capital Ideas podcast from Capital Group home of American Funds Distributors, Inc., one of the world's leading asset managers. Each week, we bring you stock market outlooks, macroeconomic updates, and investment strategies that can help you succeed. Learn from portfolio managers with decades of experience about how they navigate uncertain markets. Prepare to be engaged, enlightened, and entertained by listening to the Capital Ideas Podcast today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.